Hi, everyone. It's Robert Poole with the Growing Your B2B Small Business Podcast. In today's episode, I want to talk about a foundation of your business, which if ignored or not done right will cost you years and struggle. But done right, it makes selling and growing your business much easier. Let's get started. You have a B2B small business. Are you frustrated with the lack of resources to grow in B2B? So where do we go to learn how to grow our B2B small business? Should we focus on traditional offline methods, online techniques, or both? How do we bring in more clients and revenue and yet keep our sanity? I'm Robert Poole. Join me as I share two decades of B2B growth experience, learn new techniques, and combine both offline and online growth strategies to grow my own business. If you're listening to this podcast, you're part of an elite group of achievers who aren't willing to settle for just a nine-to-five job. You're one of the heroes in our society, and you should be proud of it. Welcome to the tribe, and welcome home. Okay, everyone, I hope you're having an awesome day today. In the last episode, we talked about sales as a profession and how to get rid of the fear of selling in person, over the phone, or any form of selling, really. Today, I want to talk to you about how we as entrepreneurs tend to focus on our product or service and not enough on who our customers are and, really, more importantly, who they should be. So if you look at it, you know, how do most businesses approach finding customers? You know, they build a product or a service and then think, well, who could we sell this to? Um, you know, or worse, you know, let's sell this to anyone who will give us money. And that's actually backwards. And it took me a long time to figure out uh, as basic as it sounds. It's only been the last couple of years, which I put this together. You know, so what we should be doing is first deciding what kind of customers and clients we want to do business with. So what does that mean? I mean, I think it's really a process of identifying those ideal customers in a couple of ways. You know, first of all, these should be people that you can get along with and enjoy working with and have some of the same values that you do in business. You know, if you don't start by targeting people you want to do business with, not just because they'll provide you with revenue, but also people you can work with, uh, you're going to wake up many days, you know, dreading to go to work and resenting your own customers. And guess what? It won't be their fault. It'll be yours. And I know this because I've done it. You know, we used to take anyone who would pay us. And in the last few years in particular, as we've developed our culture as a company, one of the tenets we conduct our business by is that not only do we treat our internal team members with respect, but we also treat our customers with respect. And here it is. We expect them to treat us with the same professionalism. You know, unfortunately, I used to let our client service people get beat up and have to put up with clients who would, you know, cuss them out or disrespect them, talk down to them. You know, and we don't tolerate that anymore. In fact, we fire clients for, you know, a variety of reasons. But, you know, the biggest one is unfortunately uh, is, you know, lack of holding up their end of the business contract, which, you know, is each party treats each other with respect and courtesy. You know, just like our customer chooses which company they do business with, you know, we as a company choose who we do business with. Anyway, so you should be really getting up each morning and looking forward to interacting with your customers and clients. If not, you need to start firing them and start looking for ways to take on clients who fit your culture and expectations and somebody you can enjoy working with. Really, life is too short to spend your time around people you don't like. So I would say that's probably the most um, important uh, step and, and definitely the first one. Uh, if you think about it, you know, if you've identified the type of, I would say, personality or the people have the same values that you do have and, and that you want to serve, then what do you do? Well, of course, you need to ask yourself, you know, more specific questions that relate to your company. You know, in B2B, this means things like, you know, what industries do you want to serve? What size revenue companies and employees numbers counts do you want to serve? What type of actual decision makers do you want to deal with? I mean, do you want to deal with, you know, mid-level executives, you know, corporate head of purchasing, uh, you know, a CEO uh, or a small business owner. I mean, it really matters who you're working with on a day-to-day basis. 
you know, the geographic area you want to serve? Is it, you know, all the U.S. or anywhere in the world or is it specifically in your state or your county or whatever? You know, and the list goes on, uh, all that, you know, it's specific to your business. But, you know, you really want to spend a lot of time on this is this really is the root of your existence as a company. I mean, why you exist, which is to serve a certain group of people. You know, as a side thought, you'll, you'll notice that I use the term serve people a lot. And I think that's an important philosophy to base your business on. For many years, we unfortunately didn't really run our business with this attitude. We thought of what the clients could do for us, you know, pay us and be happy to have our service and not really how we could help them and enrich their lives. It's only in the last few years that I've changed my perspective and this has changed our business tremendously. I mean, it's made it more profitable and most importantly, it's made it more enjoyable and satisfying. I mean, money is great, but at the end of the day, if you're not getting the satisfaction of knowing your business is making a difference in people's lives, you're never really going to truly be satisfied and fulfilled by what you do. And no amount of money is going to change that. Anyway, uh, back to our ideal customer. You know, one thing I've learned, you know, in the last year is a, a way of thinking about how you find your ideal customer. I think it originally comes from Chet Holmes, the, the sales trainer and his concept of the Dream 100. But I think it really clicked when I heard Russell Brunson, the, the sales funnel guru, talking about the importance of how to find your dream customers, you know, after you've defined them. And that's, you know, finding them by looking for specifically where they congregate. He uses the church congregation example, but basically the idea is that you, you know, all of your ideal customers have things in common. They tend to frequent the same sources for vendors, advice, and, you know, general interest and that sort of thing. You know, offline, this might be networking groups or industry meetings, trade shows, that sort of thing, uh, certain seminars or training. You know, online, this would be things like forums, you know, LinkedIn and Facebook groups, you know, that type of thing. And again, even before you start looking for uh, people, um, you know, you really want to delve into this idea of your ideal client or ideal customer. You know, we've gone so far to our company as to come up with our sort of avatar of who our, you know, ideal client is. You know, we've come up with a male and female version since we have, you know, both clients, uh, obviously. Um, you know, we have Chuck and Sandy. We even named them. And we sat there, sat there and thought about, you know, what does, you know, what interests Chuck? What does he need out of us? You know, what is he, what are his interests, you know, and all that type of thing. Same thing with Sandy. And so we, we literally add to this fictitious character, but we try to do everything based upon that philosophy of how are we going to serve Chuck or Sandy? And it just kind of, it's a little game. It sounds kind of stupid, but it allows you to, you know, really uh, put into action and think about specifically you know, your, your customer gives you something to focus on. So I, I think that's a great idea um, to do something like that. So, you know, after you find this group of people that you want to do business with, you know, the next step is to talk to them, obviously, uh, research them and, you know, find out what their biggest problems are. I mean, this really matters because if you're trying to sell customers a specific service or product that they don't want or need, you know, you're selling to the wrong people and you're going to have a major uphill battle and most likely fail in the long, long run doing it that way. You know, and unfortunately, a lot of entrepreneurs go down this route. Uh, you know, I know I did for many years. If you just try to shove a solution down someone's throat because you think, you know, it's great and you're in love with the product, uh, you're going to have major resistance. This is, you know, the old selling ice to Eskimos thing. Uh, they certainly don't need more ice. And, you know, your customers may not need what you're selling. So it's going to be an uphill battle. You know, and, you know, the flip side to this is if you do ask them, you research and you find out what their challenges are. And then you provide them with a solution that they need or want, your chances of them converting into customers is much higher. And, you know, it's also a lot less painful. You know, this seems like common sense that everybody would figure out. But, you know, like I said, that we did it for years and I see businesses do it over and over again um, when they're beating their head against the wall trying to sell something. And it's because they're trying to sell it to the wrong people. 
You know, um, we tend to be very excited about our products or services and fall in love with them, you know, because it's our baby. But, you know, we're not as excited about the customers uh, who would want to buy it. So how do you find out what your customers need and want? You know, it's not one thing, but you can use a variety of techniques. Uh, you know, you can send out email surveys to your best existing customers if you have them. Do interviews and case studies with your best customers. You know, the best, not the mildly satisfied ones. You know, find out where your customers spend their professional time online. Are they on LinkedIn groups, uh, certain ones, or industry websites, Facebook, or whatever? Um, you know, and start interacting with prospects, not just customers, and looking for what they're asking for and post and post yourself and start asking them questions. You know, interview experts who do work in the industries that most of your customers are in, or basically any ex- expert that your ideal customer might follow. These experts have most likely heard it all. With all these techniques, you want to focus on one core question. What is their biggest, most pressing challenges that they're currently facing in the business? And what have they tried to solve it right now? You know, you can have additional questions, but make sure they're all really geared towards that central question and clarifying and crystallizing those challenges. You know, if you have an existing business with a product or service that's made any money, you may be thinking, okay, Robert, well, that's great. But, uh, you know, I can't drop my current product and build a new one for this ideal customer just because it doesn't address, you know, the main challenge. And I totally get that. And I thought the same thing. You know, the reality is that very rarely are you able to quickly turn around an existing company with an established product or service because you realize, you know, you're selling to the wrong customers. Uh, it's just too difficult. So what do you do when you already have a product or service? Well, I mean, on the surface, there's, you know, really two choices. You know, you can create a new product or service that fits those customers' challenges that we're trying to solve. And, you know, that's difficult, but, you know, that might be the right choice. You know, you can also find customers who actually need what we are selling, uh, and it's much more relevant to them. You can do a lot wider research in doing this sort of biggest challenge question as we're looking for a challenge that our solution solves. Basically kind of backwards again, but, you know, um, like I said, uh, if you're in that position, you may not have any choice. So at that point, you know, you can start shifting your focus on weeding out existing customers who don't fit that profile and only take on new ones that do. You know, again, this is a painful option, but, you know, you've got to do something. There is, however, a third option that's more of a hybrid of the two, and that's doing a combination of both. You know, let's say you have an existing group of customers who all bought from you or are using your service. Uh, you know, they may not all be the ideal customers. They may not be the p- people you want to do business with. You know, you may not be solving their most pressing problems, but they're at least finding some value in what you have. So you're solving some of their problems. You know, so I think you can do a couple things. First, you know, is the biggest challenge question directed at these customers you know, you're likely to find some commonalities, some common problems they have. So take those problems and look at your company's capabilities and see which would be the easiest or the quickest one you could solve. And then start working on a solution to do just that. This way, you don't have to, you know, give up your existing revenue stream, uh, you know, while you're doing any kind of transition to a different product or service that does a better job for your clients. You know, if the answer to the biggest challenge question is the same as the group of ideal clients that you, you know, found uh, separately uh, from your existing customers. Well, now you can start to market to the right people. And over time through, you know, attrition and firing of customers, you can weed out the current customers who don't fit the ideal customer profile and start filling it up with people you actually like and want to do business with. Now, if you're starting out your business and haven't put a ton of effort into a product or service, it's even easier to focus on the customer challenges first and then go out and create solutions. You know, you may be in that position or, You may own an existing company, but uh, you see other opportunities that you can start working on with a second division of your company or even a separate entity. Either way, it's a great position to be in. So you're probably thinking, well, Doug, you know, this is a pretty easy process. You know, find out what the customer needs and deliver it. 
Um, yes, you know, as my first business mentor, uh, Jerry Eames, used to say, business is actually very simple, but most people overcomplicate it. You know, find out what the customer wants and deliver it with outstanding customer service. And then listen to them as they use your product and service and continually improve your offering and meet their current needs. You know, you do that and you'll be successful and stay in business for the long run. So did you pick up on that last point I made? It's not enough to find out what the customer needs and deliver it with great service. It's not over then. You then need to continue to improve your product or service based on the feedback that you get from your customers. Your customers' lives change, their business changes, the technology changes, and their needs change. So you, your product or service must change with them. So really, in summary, this, this process is really only four steps. You know, you identify the type of person your ideal customer is, you know, belief systems and, you know, the type of people that you want to do business with, and then focus on demographics like, you know, what industry they're in or the company size, the types of decision makers, uh, things that are important to you, uh, you know, and find out their biggest challenges, what they want, what they need, you know, get very specific on this and spend a lot of time on it. Then number three, you know, evaluate your current offerings and see if they solve that problem. You know, if not, you've got some work to do, either to find new customers or develop and treat your product to uh, solve that problem. And then finally, you know, once you have a working solution, stay in contact with your customers, interview them, do case studies, and anything you do to get their feedback and suggestions, both verbally and, you know, watch how they use your product or service for hints on how to improve it. So if you use this process and keep it in the forefront of your mind when you're looking at your company, I think you'll get huge benefits from it. I know we have in our company. You know, it can be painful to realize you're not serving the right customers or your solution doesn't really solve the biggest problem of your existing customers. But, you know, it's better to get honest with yourself and start working on it than sticking your head in the sand. And sometimes you got to take a step back before going forward. And that's part of business and part of success in general. So that's all I have for today. And uh, I will talk to you on the next episode. Thanks for listening today. I hope you learned something you can implement right away. I know your time is valuable and it's really an honor to serve you. Please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes and give me your honest feedback and what future subjects would help you out the most. Now, I've also put together a short ebook on some of the top lessons I've learned in 20 years uh, in a B2B business. You can download a free copy at growyourb2bcompany.com. That's growyourb2bcompany.com.